All right. Welcome to July. Oh, I want to hear some excitement. Welcome to July. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has been good to us. Do you know the song? God has been good to me. God's been good to me when I think of what the Lord's done in my life. I know God's been good to me. God has been good to us. Hallelujah. And um, not everybody who started January is alive today. Not everyone who started January strong is healthy today. But you and I are healthy. So I think it calls for some celebration. What do you think? So give the Lord a hand clap and a shout. Oh, in appreciation. Hallelujah. Give me some volume, please. Amen. And welcome to the month of Revaya. I say welcome to the month of Revaya. It is spelled Rewaya, but it's Revaya. Hallelujah. The Hebrew of the Hebrew word is Revaya, and it means runs over. Hallelujah. Running over. I thought that it would be good for us to revisit the theme of the year. Hallelujah so that we don't lose sight of what we are expecting God to do in the month, in, in, in the year. Hallelujah. The theme for the year is overflow of grace, of mercy, and of blessings, isn't it? Of power. Hallelujah. God's overflow. Amen. And so the meaning of revire is saturation, abundance of overflow. Hallelujah. Amos chapter 9, Amos chapter 9, verse 11 to 13. Amos chapter 9, verse 11 to 13. Let's hear the reading of his holy word. In that day, I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls. From the ruins, I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. Israel will possess what is left of Edom. And all the nations I have left, I have called mine. Hallelujah. The Lord has spoken and he will do this, these things. The time will come. Somebody say the time will come. Or say like you mean the time will come. Says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than it can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel would drip with sweet wine. Hallelujah. I want us to read verse 13 together. Ready, go. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. Hallelujah. Somebody say, my time has come. Oh, say like you mean it, my time has come. 
my time has come when my grain and my grapes are growing faster than I can harvest them. Hallelujah. We, the, the, the scripture for the beginning of the year, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is the word the Lord gave me, verse 8 to 11. It says that God is able to make all grace to overflow to you so that by always having enough of everything, you may overflow in every good work. Hallelujah. You know, one thing about overflow is because heaven's agenda includes overflow. Heaven's agenda includes overflow. And the reason why heaven's agenda includes overflow is because heaven wants to be a blessing to the earth. Heaven wants to be a blessing to the earth. And the way heaven can be a blessing to the earth is by the overflow of the citizens of heaven on the earth. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. We are the citizens of heaven on earth. And God has to give us the overflow so we can be a blessing to the earth. So he says that I will give you the blessings of Edom. Edom represents the hidden. Edom represents the world. So the wealth of the Gentiles will be given to the children of God because God has an agenda. Heaven has an agenda on earth to be a blessing to the earth. And he's going to do that through you. And that is why you have to be overflowing in the blessings. That is why you have to be overflowing in God's grace. That is why you have to be wealthy. Not for you to be selfish. Not for you to uh, indulge in debauchery. No, that's not why God wants to give you uh, uh, excess blessings. It is because God is partnering with you to bless the land. Hallelujah. I'm excited about this camp this year. Because you are going to be blessed spiritually, physically, financially, and mentally. Ah, I don't think you... I don't think you... Hallelujah. It is very, very important for you to be blessed. And see, God would test you with a small blessing to see what is in your heart. And he says that if you're going to be faithful in little, then I will give you much. So if you are having a challenge with paying your tithe, a tithe of 1,000 pounds income, which is 100 pounds, you are having a challenge. Immediately, God says that this is a suspect. So I cannot give this person 100,000 job. Because if he cannot pay 100 pounds, surely he cannot pay 10,000. Are you getting it? But God wants to bless the, his church. And the way he's going to do it, he's not going to drop money on the, from the skies. He will have to use people. And you see, there are two types of lands, I always say. You have the desert land and you have the river. They are both lands. And rain falls on both of them. One is constantly dry. 
because they are selfish. They can't have enough of the water that falls on it. They swallow everything. And one is very generous. So any water it receives, it, it drinks some and passes. It drinks some and passes. It drinks some and passes. So God says, I can trust this land with water. So then it begins to have more water, more water, and more water. And then other things come to live in, in that land. Other fishes. Plants, they, they, they say uh, life, river life, isn't it? Life begins to grow around it to beautify that land. Am I making sense? And that the land of selfishness is dry. Nothing grows around it. Nobody comes there. There is no joy. Even the land itself doesn't want to be there. Because the liberal soul, the Bible says, shall be made Hallelujah. So God wants to bless you not because of anything, but because he wants to bless his house. And not for the, for the sake of blessing the house, because he wants the word of God. This gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. To everywhere. Before he comes. And so it is more than uh, vital and necessary that God releases his resources on the earth. The reason why the, the, the gospel is not being preached and not being effective is because money is not pushing it. What do you think is pushing the LGBTQ plus whatever thing? It's money. Are you with me? Money is pushing because people of influence who have money are pushing it. And so if you don't, if, I mean, I, I was wondering, why is the sexual activity of uh, less than 1% of the population, why should it become so in our faces? I don't bring my sexual activity to you, so why are you bringing yours to me? Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah, but because of the agenda and because of the money that is pushing it, Assume the same amount of money was pushing the gospel. Do you think that the gospel will be where it is today? The gospel will be in everybody's face and everybody will be forced. I was wondering what LGBT thing has to do with football. That every captain of every nation has to wear the band of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Rainbow, whatever. Why don't we put the band of the cross even, uh, what do you call it, uh, Arabic countries have to put it. And the countries that didn't want to put it, they had problems with it. Hallelujah. Because money is being pushed. Every ideology that has money back in it succeeds. The ideology that has no money does not succeed, no matter how good it is. It's not how sensible it is. It is what is pushing it. That is why they've gone to the children. They are teaching. They are putting it in books. They are doing videos and putting cartoons. Why? Because money is pushing it. Whilst we Christians being selfish, our little 10% we can't pay. And you want Jesus to, be, to go everywhere. I haven't started. You've already gone quiet. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm, I'm saying this to tell you that when you have the challenge of, pay, of giving money in the house of God, there's something wrong with you. Satan is playing on your mind. Are you with me? Yeah. Satan is playing on your mind. The other day, there was a, a um, um, what's it called? A building, a church building that I saw. And it was powerful. Welcome, Pastor. Oh, put your hands together for <laughs> Pastor Obed and Pastor Celia. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. I was passing by and I saw a building. And I was like, my friend, my pastor friend has been looking for a church building for a very long time. And so when I saw this building, my first instinct was to call him that I've seen this building that is going on auction. It would be good for your, the church. The, the, I, I'm a builder. I'm somebody who likes building. Anything to do with building, I'm there. So now I become a consultant of different pastors that want to build or buy buildings. They come and consult with me and I help them buy. And so I was, I was calling this guy because this particular guy has been on my neck that he needs to get a building. So when I saw it, my first is to call him. I called the brother. I called him. He didn't, I left a voice message. He never returned the voice message. The next day when I was passing, this is a church building. Muslims had come and they bought it. They bought it cash. Where do you think they got the cash from? Fellow Muslims backing it, backing it, backing it. Now that church building is a mosque. Just a few minutes from here. Because the members of the church do not understand what heaven's agenda is. We don't understand that the gospel, even though it's free, has to be pushed with money. That's not my message, but I thought it's something that we need to share with somebody. Are you understanding what I'm saying? God, you see, God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. God wants you to be richer than you want to be rich. The problem God has with us is our lack of understanding about money and what money is or blessing is supposed to be. Blessing is not for you to, yours to keep. It's not yours to keep. That is why the Bible says it, it is certain that we didn't come to the earth with anything and we will not take anything with us. So Satan's deception is to reverse that word where it's like, even though we didn't come with anything, we want to gather everything and leave, go with nothing. Hallelujah. Everything we gather is for a purpose. Look at your neighbor and tell them your money is for a purpose. Tell them your money is for a purpose. And it's not a selfish purpose. Your money is supposed to be an agenda for heaven. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good and not of evil to bring you a, to a future and a hope. Hallelujah. God wants to give you a future and a hope. You see, the future that God wants to give you and I. It's not just for you to have, a, you see, if you have 
Let's say you have a thousand pounds. You are not dreaming to get a thousand pounds. Now you have a thousand pounds. What what comes into your head? Immediately you are thinking about a new shoe, a new bag. That 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 particular um, what do you call it thing that you've seen in the in the um, magazine that you want to get. Then you get it. But go and check your wardrobe. I'm sure that dress you want, you have a similar dress. Sometimes you have the same type of blue dress. About five of them. It's different shades of blue, but they are all blue. When we see you, all we see is blue. And you know what the deception, the, 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 uh, what do you call it, the supermarkets and everything, they put light on the dress. So when you go past it, the light is what attracts you to the dress. Not that the dress is nice. That's why after you buy it and you put it on, it's not, the appeal is not the same as it was in the shop. Because there's not light following you, touch light following you everywhere you are going. It was... And you see, they put the same dress on this very skinny person. And it looks, you to your contours are like mine. When you put it on, it doesn't look nice, as nice as that one. So I know the plans I have for you. The plans I have for you, even though it's to bless you, is to bless my agenda, my kingdom, better than it's to bless you. Hallelujah. So, when we talk about prosperity, we are not talking about selfishness. When we talk about overflow, we are not talking about you just having too much. No. How many houses can you live in? How many cars can you drive in at a time? How many beds can you lie in? How many clothes can you wear at a time? So, the scriptures say that godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. But all that said, just understand that God's blessing for you is because God wants to partner with you. Hallelujah. Heaven wants to partner with you and I. So he wants to bless you. He wants to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies and your carport. Oh, my cup what? Now, if you remember when we were talking about this in January or something, I told you that God is an extravagant God. God is a wasteful God. God is, when I say wasteful, God doesn't give just enough. God gives excess. That is why the rain that comes is very extravagant. He pours the rain on the just and unjust alike. Everyone gets it. See, the one that, have you, do you remember the story, Oliver Twist? That fat man who had the ladder, who was given the, by his size alone, you know that he's eating very well. And he was giving just a, a, a ladder to the children. Then Oliver got up and asked, can, please, can I have some more? I said, More? More? What did you say? More? How dare you ask for more? But that is not how God is. Our God that we serve is not that more? More? No, 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 no. He gives to everybody more than abundantly. 
So Ephesians 3.20 says that and to him that is able to give exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. He gives more than you can imagine. And the reason why he's giving more than you can imagine is because he wants to have a covenant with you so that you, through you the heavens, the earth will be blessed. When he came to Abraham, he said, I want to have the part, uh, partnership with you, brother Abraham, so that through you, the whole earth will be blessed. So that the blessings of Abraham is now ours by association. Why? Because one man was faithful enough to give, to partner with God so that whatever I give you, give me back. So I give you a child and I come and I say, give me back the child. Here, anything you want, here. Anything you want, oh, my child is what you want. Here, take it. Anytime God finds somebody who is ready to give anything that they have, anything that they have, they give I found another Abraham. I found another Abraham. Now, what do you want? What do you want? Hey, take it. I, I'll give you silver, gold, cattle, sheep, whatever you want. In those days, they were farmers. So, all they needed was cattle. So, when the cattle increases, it means you are blessed. But I said, I, I've given you cattle. I've given you. But he said, he had not just cattle, he had cattle, he had goat. He had gold, which was not part of the business. You see, if your, your income is only from your work, you are poor. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If your income, I don't care how much money, how much, uh, what do you call it, salary you get. If all you spend is what you are earning, you are poor. Because the day they stop that job, you are broke. The day they give you P45, that's it. You are done. Hallelujah. But when you have blessings in gold, in silver, in cattle, in lands, They cannot stop one thing. They stop one thing that's coming from here. They stop this one is coming from here. They stop this one is coming from here. Because you are blessed everywhere. Everywhere. Your cup is flowing, overflowing. Look at the cup that is supposed to be receiving water or oil. And the cup has run more than the depth of the cup. And now he's still pouring. He's still pouring. He's still pouring. Look for, look for a, a picture of a, a cup that is overflowing. And it will give you a, a sense of God's agenda for, for us. He knows that all you need is just a cup full. That cup is not big enough for what he wants to do. So he begins to pour a bucket full into a cup. So that the residue that is falling around the cup is to be used by others. So the others will come with their little cups and they'll be putting it around the, the, that cup and then it'll be taken and taken and taken and taken and taken and taken around it. Hallelujah. But when your river doesn't flow to anybody, you don't bless anybody. You don't give anything to anybody. All the water you drink, you get, you have to drink it all. You're a desert. Learn how to pay 
above whatever is expected of your tithe and to give to others. Learn to give to others because the liberal soul shall be made fat. So the more you give, the more you receive. Hallelujah. But for you to have your cup running over, you have to go back to verse 1 of Psalm 23. It says that the Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to do this because if I do this, I can be here for like a day. Yeah. Put that picture back. See, that's the type of God we serve. He's a wasteful God. Hallelujah. You know, there are some cities and towns and countries on the earth where this is a sacrilege. When water is being wasted, people will be up in arms because water is very scarce around those places. But you see, it is not a problem in another part of the world. Because you can leave the tap on and no one will. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He said, the Lord. Someone said, the Lord. Now, the word there is a definite clause. He didn't say a Lord. He says what? The Lord. The Lord is referring to a specific person. When I come and say the girl, when I say the lady, I'm talking about a particular lady, not a lady. A lady and the lady are not the same things. Are you, are you with me? A Lord and the Lord are not the same things. It means that you must know the lady first for the lady to make sense to you. Because if I come and I say the lady and I didn't tell you what the particular lady I'm talking about, you'll be confused. But when I say the lady and you know the lady, you are not in any doubt. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. So when I say, when, when he said the Lord, he's not talking about a Lord. He's not talking about any false God. He's saying the Lord, Jehovah my God, is the Lord who is your shepherd. The Lord. The title of my message All what that was introduction. Everything I said up to this point was to introduce my subjects. Is the Lord your shepherd? And the word is comes from the verb. The, the word is is what? A definite article. You see, if you have done any language Study any language to be in the French to toye. You know, if you have done any French, any verb, you know that the first thing you must learn is je suis. Tu es. Il est. Elle est. Nous sommes. Vous êtes. Ils sont. Elles sont. Are you, are you with me? When I was, when I was uh, growing up, I think uh, they, they used to teach us, and we, we didn't get in it. So this, this teacher came, I think I was about three at the time, four, five at the time. 
the teacher came, an esteemed teacher, and he said, I'm going to teach you the way to remember this. And, and so we, we, want, we were very excited. Say, Jesu, Akukuti, Tu, eh, Akukuti, El, eh, Akukuti, Nu, Som, Akukuti, Buzet, Akukuti. So it has. Uh, <laughs> That was how many years ago? I, I never forget. <laughs> because they taught me to understand that that he is, I am, you are, he is, she is, they are. It's a definite article which is very, very important in language. You can never learn any, any language without understanding what those things mean. Are you with me? So when he says that the Lord is, it's not the Lord may. The Lord might. No, the Lord is, which means that I am not in any doubt that he is my shepherd. Others may have other shepherds, but for me, he is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not possibility or probability. It's definite. Which means that you must have a personal relationship with him. A personal relationship with the Lord. Not the Lord that is being preached about. I adjure you by the name of, the, of Jesus whom Paul preaches. No, you don't know Jesus. In Matthew 7, the Bible says that, and, and, and verse 21 says that, for not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will come and say, Lord, Lord, have you not, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And he will say, I declare unto you, I never knew you. Depart from me. You practitioners of lawlessness. Hallelujah. Because they didn't know the Lord as their shepherd. When we come to church, we are being introduced to the Lord. But we can never know the Lord as our shepherd in church. Oh, I don't think you heard what I said. When we come to church, we are being taught who the Lord is. It's just an introduction. But that introduction is not the be and end of everything. Somebody may introduce your future wife to you. But if it ends at that introduction, you don't know her. And you can never ever be a, a husband to her. Oh, I don't know whether you understood the logic there. So, assume that I am just introducing him to you. The Lord is. It's just an introduction. You have to take this introduction and begin to have conversations. Begin to go beyond what I have done here to have a personal encounter with him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Before he becomes your shepherd. You know, David was using his experience as 
a shepherd in Psalm 23. He was a shepherd. And he had a lot of sheep. But he had a certain relationship with his sheep. So when he was thinking about the Lord, he put himself in the place of the sheep. And he said that if I am a sheep, he is my shepherd. Which means that there may be others around. But those who are around, I don't look up to them. They don't matter to me because he is my shepherd. Are you with me? He is my shepherd. I will not follow any other shepherd. I will not be bought by any other shepherd. I will not be distracted to follow any other person. I am following only this person because he is my shepherd. I am sure that if you have seen any head of a, a sheep, you see that normally it's not just one person. It's about two or three people. But the sheep have one person they've identified as their shepherd. And so when the, the person gets up, when they are grazing and they are all sitting, the sheep will be around them eating. But when that particular person gets up and begins to move, the sheep will leave the food and begin to follow. Why? It's because the Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. Believers today, can we say that the Lord is? Because some of us, money is our shepherd. That is why you chase money over the shepherd. Some of us, a woman or a man is your shepherd. So when the man says that from today, you are not going to church again. Because you are my shepherd. Today, from today, you are not going to be shouting this Christian thing in the house again. Immediately, I don't want to hear any shouting of tongues, tongues. What does my name mean? No more of that. But because he's your shepherd, immediately no more. Some of us, the bill is your shepherd. You're chasing money to pay the bill. Hallelujah. That's why I ask the question, is the Lord your shepherd? Because it's very easy for all of us to say that he is our shepherd. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Is he your shepherd? Personally, is he your shepherd? It's not your responding vocally that will convince me. Your actions is what I'm talking about. Because a shepherd does a few things. And the sheep will respond to the things the shepherd does. Are you with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. The Lord makes me lie down. A shepherd is the only one that has the ability and the power to make the sheep lie down. Yesterday, I was looking at uh, somebody. I don't know. It's this funny TikTok things. Somebody was sent me this fun, well, funny TikTok. I don't know how far it's true. But this guy had a, a I don't know whether it's a goat or a sheep. And he would put the sheep down and he would put like a little towel on the head of the sheep. As soon as he puts the towel on the head, the sheep stays down. Will not get up will lie down 
the way it has been laid down with the thing covering its face. It will not get up. As soon as the, the person takes the towel, the sheep gets up. Then the guy was like, no, maybe this, and I, this was just, it just happens, happenstance. Do it again. He did it about three times. Every time. And it's because the sheep has a certain trust in the shepherd. You try going to put another sheep down with a towel and see whether they will, st- they will mind you. First of all, they won't wait for you to catch them. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm trying to say? He says that the Lord, is, he makes me lie down. Can God make you lie down? To lie down means being told to do something otherwise you wouldn't have done. You probably wouldn't have been to the camp. But he says that come for camp. He makes me lie down. If you're a sheep, you follow. If you are having to argue and give reasons why you must not do something, then can I submit to you that you may not be a sheep or he may not be your shepherd. Something else might be your shepherd but not the Lord. Because what David was saying that if he is my shepherd, then I should be able to submit myself to lie down. Oh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If he says lie down, it means what? Lie Lie down. And what do you do? You lie down. He makes me lie down. I may not want to lie down, but he says lie down. Immediately, what do I do? I lie down. Making the sheep obey my commandment or their commandment is is the thing that makes you a sheep. Hallelujah. Psalm 139 verse 1 to 3. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I am far away, you see when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything. Hallelujah. The reason why we are not that open is because of sin. See, for, for me to make you lie down, I must know everything about you. Oh, I don't know whether you got it. I must know you so much to tell you, lie down. You know, there are some people I can say, you, marry this person. And immediately, they will just do it. Yeah. And I will not say it to everybody in this room. Because I must know you transparently to be able to say, lie down. Because I'm a shepherd. I must know you to the point where I can say, lie down. And I must know that you trust me enough to lie down. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It means that, you see, when, when Adam and Eve were put in the garden, they were naked. Because they had a shepherd. He said, have dominion, flow, tend and keep this garden. They were flowing with it. When they sinned, and the voice of the Lord came in the evening to walking in the garden to say, Adam, Adam, where are you? 
immediately they hid themselves. He couldn't make them lie down anymore. Why? Because sin had been introduced. So they were hiding. Some of us, we come to your church, but nobody knows you in the church. How can you be made to lie down when nobody knows you? Because the Lord, the Lord won't come from the heavens to make you lie down. He will use people. He will use his sub-shepherds, the pastors, to make you lie down. But he's a mere man like me, so how can I... Are you a sheep? He leads me. A shepherd leads. Can you be led? Will you allow God to choose for you? Or do you choose for yourself? Proverbs 19 verse 21. It says that many are the plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Hallelujah. You have your plans, but can God superimpose his plan over your plan? I wanted to go right, but the Lord said, go left. Are you ready to go left? And then you start, we put, start putting very spiritual jargons. Why we will not follow the Lord? Pastor, it's true, but I feel the Lord, I've prayed about it and I have peace on going left. Yeah, go. I've learned over the years as a pastor never to force anybody to do anything. I will suggest. And even that, I must have a certain relationship with you. If I don't have the relationship, I go deaf, blind, and dumb. And I use a certain word, powerful. So, uh, Pastor, I'm thinking about this lady of powerful. It means I don't have any opinion on the matter. Not that I don't have an opinion, but I can't share it with you. Because you cannot handle it. So I say powerful. Or I pretend as if I haven't seen it. I pretend as if I haven't seen it. You know, when, when the uh, referees are refereeing a game and maybe somebody's trying to go and score and somebody tried to strip the person and they didn't really fall, then the referee goes, play on. So I say, play on, play advantage. I removed my eye, play on. I saw it, but I didn't see it. Go. Because <laughs> some people, they only learn by crashing hard against the wall. Then the cash and the blood is flowing, and you come with you. You put your uh, what do you call it? Uh, first aid box by you, because you can see that the, the he's going straight to hit the wall. You see, because but that person, if you con, if you try to advise the person, the Bible says, "Reprove not a corner; they will hate you." There are some people as corners. Your first advice, you become an enemy, so you leave them play on, but just have your. First aid kit. 
As soon as they hit their head and blood starts to flow, they will turn and come. Then you put the iodine. <laughs> yeah. Because you cannot make them follow. You cannot lead them. See, a frustrated shepherd is a shepherd who is trying to lead unleadable goats. <laughs> Have you ever seen a shepherd leading snakes before? A shepherd of snakes. Then you are holding the, 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 what do you, the stick, the little stick, and you are going, then all the snakes are coming like that. Follow. No, 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 that doesn't happen. Because snakes don't depend on anybody, don't listen to anybody. In fact, if you are following like that, you'll be the first person that will come at, at no, no, they don't do that. Hallelujah. For you to be led means you have a certain trust that the shepherd is leading you to pasture. Are you getting what I'm saying? You believe in the person. I have learned through the many years of pastoring that it's not everybody you lead. There are some people you lead. Some you just pastor. Now I'm saying, generally you're around and I have my, my first aid kit waiting for you to bash your head and I'll come and put, yeah, but I don't need you. It's like, oh, brother, keep it up. The Lord is with you. It will, be, it will work. It's very powerful. Hey, pastor, I want to go and do this job. Uh, this job is taking me to this city and it's taking, oh, yes. Powerful. God is with you. Because I know I am not your shepherd. There are people I have relocated from countries. I say, you, go to this country. And they go. You, move from this city to this city. And they'll go. Yeah. Are you with me? Some, I can't move from this chair to this chair. Ernest <laughs> was in, in uh, London. I said, move from London to, to Leeds. And he moved. I must have a certain relationship. There's some people I can't tell you, move from this chair to say, <laughs> no. No. I just say, you, leave this job. Come. Come and sit here. You'll be unemployed for a while, but come and look for a job here. And they'll come. Because they have a certain trust with, are you with me? Because they know that I will lead them. I'm a shepherd. I will lead them. So they follow. But not everybody. So I'm saying to you, if you are a shepherd, then you must be leadable. Can God lead you and God move you from here to here? Are you his sheep? Are you the sheep of his pasture? He makes me lie down. He leads me. He has a rod that he corrects me with. Can you be corrected? Can you be hit on the head with a rod? There are some people in the church I can actually hit. Almost literally. Not literally, but almost literally. Stupid girl. Sit down there. And you will sit. There are some too. Eh? 
Hallelujah. He has a rod. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You need that your stick will correct me before I do anything foolish. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Can he? See, I'm, I'm talking about overflow. But before we get to the cup running over, all these conditions have to be met. That's the reason why not all of us have been working in the overflow. Because not all of us will allow ourselves to be beaten. After all, I'm an adult. Hey! Proverbs 22.15 says that foolishness is intertwined at the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive them far away from foolishness. How many of you have done some foolish things? If you have ever done anything foolish, the probability of you doing it again is high. That's why you must not be too hard on what you, your decisions. Always leave a room that I may be doing something wrong. So when somebody says that what you are doing is wrong, don't be too quick to try and defend yourself and your stance. It may be that genuinely you are wrong and you don't even know it. Hallelujah. I, was, I always used to tell my, my kids growing up that I'd rather pull my belt to discipline you than the police discipline you. Do you understand? I'd rather put you in handcuffs at home. Or I'll, uh, I'll banish you to your room and take, deprive you of all your gadgets. I'd rather do that in your home than you be in a cell in public. Hallelujah. Proverbs 29.17 says that correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will delight He'll be a delight what? The Bible says that a wise child is a blessing to the Lord, but a foolish child is a calamity. A foolish child is, is a headache to the parents. Children, children, are you here? Say yes, we are here. Are you here? Uh, uh, I'm going to go and tell my teacher. My teacher will, will, will go and bring the police. Uh, before the police takes me away. <laughs> Have you seen these eyes? I'll take them out, roll them, and show it to you. <laughs> and the last thing that a shepherd shares the sheep. You know what sharing is? To take the excess hair. How many know that the hair stands for pride? The hair of a lady is the pri her pride. Are you with me? Can God remove the things that's making you proud? Ah, I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. In John 15 verse 3, John 15 verse 3 says that you are already clean by the words which I have spoken to you. Verse 4 says that 
Give me four. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless. He says that you are pruned. You are pruned by the words that you are hearing. Can his words prune you? I think it's verse two. Can his word prune you? Can the word you hear, the word you read in the Bible, the word of instruction, can it make you take the thing that's making you proud? The one that, the tree that bears fruit, he prunes that it will bear more fruit. Okay? You have seen this girl, and he's like, your beloved. Can he say that, no, stop this relationship now? Because it's not a good one. If you are a sheep of the pasture, you stop. And, and what is this type of, now you want to control my life? Hey, no. No. If he's your shepherd. Do you know how the pruning is done? They make the sheep lie down. And they take a, what do you call it? Like a, a clipper, clippers. And then they clip the sheep. And by the time they finish, the sheep is smaller than it was before. The thing that was making you puffed up, they just put a little, a, a little uh, prick in the balloon and go... There are some people, I can take them to the office. By the time I finish dressing them down, they feel like they are deflated. Like the balloon has been burst. And it goes, they go like a, a, a sheep that has no more wool around them. That's if you're a sheep. Have you ever seen anybody sharing goats before? First of all, goats don't have enough hair. And they won't allow you to try and do anything. But these are the conditions that we need to meet to walk in the overflow. How many are ready to walk in the overflow? Stand to your